0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Show. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and my guest this week is Dr. Lois Sans- Sanstegard. I, I hesitated because I didn't practice it, but I think I got it right, Lois. am you, you I?
1: You did get it right. Good awesome.
0: job. Awesome. Sanstegard. There we go. Um, And do I call you Dr. Lois
1: or do you I call yeah. You can just call me Lois too. That's the easiest. <laughs>
0: well, I'm I'm actually thrilled to have you on the show and welcome, because um, Lois it has um, many uh, letters after her name. She's very accomplished and is. Um, I'm not sure if you're still teaching at universities, but I know you've done a lot of teaching along the way, uh, as long as well as being a business owner.
1: I, I still do some. Yes. Yeah. And does that keep you current? Does that
0: keep you on your toes? Um, teaching the youth of today, so to speak? You
1: know, what teaching does is it keeps me abreast of what the thought leaders, what we call the thought leaders, um, are thinking and doing and where their research is. I think more and more we're beginning to see the action, where the action is. And so um, I think the challenge oftentimes for universities especially at the graduate level is being able to marriage that partnership between what is real and what is theoretical mm-hmm. and i think business what i find in business is more and more people are requesting that that what's being taught be current yes be applicable yeah that makes sense
0: so i know that the work that you're doing currently um around the book that's coming out next year and around your work in the, in your own business is around collaboration. And I was thinking about collaboration in, in different ways. And I was thinking, okay, so when I notice, um, in the music industry, I don't know why this came to me, but in the music industry today, there's a lot of people that are collaborating and they collaborate like the couple that came to mind were um, now one's gone from my head. Oh, um, uh, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. And Elton John just did a collaboration with uh, Dua Lipa, who's a, a young uh, artist out of England. And it seems to me that that was very smart marketing because those two, in particular, those two very well known. And aging, and I mean Tony Bennett, right? Um, done uh, now okay. um, because of illness, but and age, um, wanting to expand their audiences by collaborating with people who are, you know, hot and in the in the the um, with the new audiences, and that gives them. So that to me was collaboration, and I think yes. about um, uh, different companies trying to. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, maybe they're mature companies and they're looking for a new market, so they find a different company to collaborate with. So, how does that fit into you know what do you what's your idea around it? And and I know you're doing a lot of research on it. So, what have you found so far? Am I on the right path? Is that kind of what you,
1: what you you're... are on the right path? And you know, right now, I think um, Janice, so much of what we're seeing, you, you talk to business people right now. There's a lot of anxiety. People are concerned now because also the economy has turned downward. Yeah. And, and it seems to be ubiquitous. It's not just in North America, for example. Europe is feeling it. Uh, we're hearing about it in other places as well. So it's, it's, it cuts across um, nations. So there's this general kind of sense of there's something not well with what we're we're doing. And then you take a look at, like within our country, our recent problem with the baby milk formula shortage. Mm -hmm. And you go, okay, how did that happen? And that creates another level of anxiety. And so it's like what you were saying with um, musicians collaborating. People are beginning to wake up and say, you know what, the problems we have today are bigger than what I can solve. If so, on a smaller scale, you know, with two musicians coming together and collaborating, that's recognition. Market share, if you're going to have a presence, if you're going to make the revenue you want, there's a certain market share you need to possess. Well, how do you do that when you're a a single person? It's, you either have to have very deep pockets, or an incredibly huge network that you've kept up, but that requires deep pockets to keep it up because somebody's got to nurture them. I mean, you know all about nurturing, right? Yes. So how do you do it? The only way you can do it now, I think, is for people to come together and say, okay, this is what I'm good at. Let's share what we're good at and make each other stronger. Mm -hmm. But that's the key is in our Western cultures in particular, we tend to com- be competitive. Oh. I just so, yes. so we say, okay, I'll share, but I'm the one who is going to get stronger. And if you do too, that's okay, but I'll be the strongest, right? right? It isn't that, wow, we're going to both get strong. And because we're both getting strong and getting more visible, we are going to be able to leverage that even further that's taking relationships to a new level that we're not familiar with as much in the western culture
0: just one second i have to turn this down because i just forgot okay there we go um no that's true the mindset shift is huge for some people because they're so protective and so competitive and that's never worked for me i i I find that very fascinating, but it's, it's the way of the, like you said, North America uh, in particular. And so, but I am curious about what you just said about um, nurturing the relationships, of course I'm and your network. So um, I wrote something down here that you said, build, build relationships of strong networks to address the business challenges through collaboration, collaborative ecosystems. And um when we um, build those networks, are you teaching people how to do that effectively?
1: Right. So we need to learn how to collaborate by and large because we don't know how. More importantly, we need to know who to choose as a collaborative partner, right? Yes. Because not all people can be collaborators. You know, If you think of the old fairy tale of uh, the scorpion and the frog, right? Right. You're familiar with that, where the scorpion wants to get across and doesn't know how to get across the lake, sees the frog and the, asks the frog and the frog says, why would I take you across? You'll kill me. You'll bite me and kill me. And the scorpion convinces him to take him across because why would he do that? That would be foolish. They would both die then. Yeah. And so yeah. the frog does and halfway across the scorpion bites him. And they both die. And <laughs> as they're dying, the frog says, why would you do that? And the scorpion says, well, once a scorpion, always a scorpion. So there's a part of that that is true in our thinking. There are people who simply, I'll collaborate as long as I can grow. And when I'm strong enough, I'll gobble you up, eat you up, spit you out, and go on. So part of what has to happen, I think, when you're building collaborative ecosystems, is to really sort um, out scorpions from those who can collaborate. And does that mean you can't learn if you you are more of that competitive perspective? No, I think you can learn, but you need to learn how that is. And I think Janice, this is part of what I see you doing with LinkedIn and you're building relationships with sales is that you look at that relationship as part of the long term, you know it's it's not just I, I'm gonna sell the widget today, make a whole lot today, and I don't care about you tomorrow. And you know you're you're really looking at that long term. And I think collaboration is it for the longer haul. You're looking for how are you going to not only grow today, but how are you going to keep seeing opportunities so growth continues because you want to maximize and leverage the growth you've already just gotten together. Why waste it? Right.
0: Right. I mean, and to me, that's the difference between um, uh, selling products and building relationships, which builds the trust and the loyalty going forward, which helps build more customer base because those that know, like, and trust you, I know that's an old hackney phrase now, but the truth is if, if they have experienced um, most positive experience with you, they're going to recommend you to other people and what better way to get new clients, but to have them through referral from people mm-hmm. that, that you've mm-hmm. already um, worked with. To me, that's like, that's the biggest compliment there is.
1: Yes, it is, isn't yeah. it? And yeah, you know, there's something else that I think is so important about the who, and that is we tend to, when we are looking at bringing people together on our own, we tend to bring people together that are like us. They, we think They think like us. So you take a look at large corporations, for example, the C-suite will tend to come together and make decisions, maybe with even a layer below, but it's of like-minded people. Engineers tend to come together, make their decisions together. So we we are organized generally to do so, but it's also a comfort level. We, we just naturally choose people like us. Mm-hmm. So here's what is so interesting and what makes collaboration, I think, so powerful. And And I love this research that came out of the UK, London, in 1906 with Galton, who was a statistician. Are you familiar with him? No, I was just going 1906. Oh, my goodness. 1906. He was a statistician. And what he loved to do was to visit livestock fairs. And so he would go and do research at these livestock fairs. And as he came to one in 1906, he noticed that there was a contest that was going on. And uh, ox had been brought out. And this group of people that had gathered were asked to to guess the dressed weight of the ox. So after it's slaughtered and, you know, whatever, um, what that weight would be. And so Galton is watching this. And after the contest is concluded, he asks to get all of the, the coupons with the guesses on it. And he sits down and he orders them all in terms of, you know, expert guests and the weight of the ox, dress weight, et cetera, all the way down. And then he took the mean of the group and looked at that. And what's interesting is, you know, when you have a fair, you have everybody comes. You have maybe the person who mucks the stalls. You have, right? You have people with lots of different perspectives. And then you've got the people who judge the livestock and say, you know, this is going to, this is a great breeding, uh, you know, cow uh, uh, or ox or whatever. And um, so you have this breadth of uh, people who come and go to a fair. So this is what he observed when he sat down and analyzed. The experts were not as close in, dress, in guessing the dressed weight as was the mean guess of the group. They were off, the mean guess was off by one pound while the experts were off by more. So then, and he had done this research to prove that experts being with like-minded people would get you the best result. Get with the best experts, the best minds, and you'll have the best result. And what he discovered in that research was that was not true. And then other people have continued that research and also looked at it. And one of the fun examples more recently is, do you want to be a millionaire? Um, which was a television show, I don't know if it was it's a few years old now. Yeah. But you, if you could guess 15 questions in a row correctly, you would walk away with a million dollars. So that was the motivating thing. And you had three or four lifelines that you, you could use. One was you could say, please reduce the number of choices from four to two. Now you have a 50-50 chance of getting the answer correct. Yes. Two, you could call a pre-identified expert and ask for their advice. Three was you could ask the audience for their opinion and they would um, give you the group response, the mean of the group. So what they found in that research was when people called the expert, they were 61% of the time correct. When they asked for the group to give them help, they were 95% correct.
0: Wow,
1: that's interesting. So, right? So the audience is a mixed group. It may be some people that have expertise, but it's other people who have experience, life experience and have a gut response that are giving their input. We've also learned from pathologist reports that when you compare two independent pathologists responding to something, they may come out, but they have the same opinion 50% of the time. So you go, okay, being an expert, bringing experts together by yourself, that's not necessarily the best result. It's about a 50-50 draw, right? Or 50-60% perhaps. But when you have a diverse group, group with a great deal of breath, different thought processes, and you bring them together and you look at their combined wisdom, you get closer to what it is that you need to know. The other thing that's really important that I think in today's world is so important for us to realize is that for that mean effect to occur, people have to be able to think independently. So think of that in terms of our current world in which so many things are PC. If it's not PC or there's a fear, will I say the wrong thing? Will it be um, misunderstood? Will that offend somebody, right? Mm -hmm. So now we have people remaining silent, keeping their opinions silent. We're losing that that mean, the the people who are going to impact that so we can have great decisions. And the other is you want people as close to the situation as possible. So you take a look in our business organizations. Many times the decisions are made at the top, whereas the problem may be lower down the organization. So, so collaboration, looking at who do you bring. And I think when we're left to our own devices, we don't always choose wisely because we, we like to be with people we feel familiar with hmm.
0: That's that's really interesting when you think of I mean, I'm just trying to put into perspective with small business owners and entrepreneurs, um, how often we're we are um, kind of when we're looking for help and coaching, and whatever people always say, well, what do you, what are you best at? And what are you not? What should you not be doing because you hate it or because it's not the best use of your time? And of course, to be able to answer that and and um, uh, um, offset those things to somebody else, the people you are going to have do those things need to be people who don't think like you, who aren't, who don't have the same skill set as you, because otherwise it's not serving the purpose, right? So it's a similar thing in a smaller way that you know they become your collaborators in a sense because they think differently to you and they can see what you can't see. And it's the same when you're bringing a group of people together at whatever level, right? You need that varying uh, thought process, um, uh, point of view and so on, uh, or it, it becomes kind of stack.
1: It it, it gets stuck. It does get stuck. Doesn't it? It, And we're afraid. I mean, I think that's largely why we're afraid. Well, I'm gonna be forced to think differently. I'm not comfortable. I, you know, I need to be able to explore this intensely, but I need to be it needs to be with people that I think have the right can really bring me the right data. So we bring a lot of fears that make it hard. So yeah. so I'm curious how you got how did you
0: choose or how did it choose you that this is your project now, that the the piece on collaboration? Did it did it come sort of Gradually, or was it like
1: an aha, this is the. Um, actually, you know what, it's, it's, it was quite simple. And it was a gift of COVID because during COVID we're all sitting at home. Right. Right. And so I said, okay, let me call people and just ask them who's going to survive COVID. What, what businesses will survive COVID. Mm. And so I called CEOs, CFOs of very large organizations. And I called consultants to their boards of directors and m and people, basically. Those were the large, largely the groups that I called. And um, hands down, what they said was, people will make it through COVID more or less. What we're concerned about is the aftermath because they were already at that point, time anticipating a downturn, an economic downturn. And they said the very large companies, a hundred million and more, 500 million and more, they'll do fine because they've got access to plenty of cash. They'll just keep on doing what they're doing and they'll, they'll survive, no problem. The very small companies, a million and under, they'll, the same percentage will survive. And we know that that percentage is you know, lower than we'd like, but that same percentage will survive. The difference is they'll simply run faster, but soon they won't realize they're running faster because they'll get used to the new pace. The question is, what happens to the 2 million to 500 million level company? And when I went back a second time to ask that question, what do you anticipate? Who will survive of that group? They were quite worried about that group. And I said, that's disconcerting to me because that's the backbone of every country's economy. That's where we, we get our economic strength. And so it was the m a people, actually, Janice, that were the most helpful to me. They mm-hmm. said they anticipated the companies that would make it would be the ones who could figure out how to collaborate. Mm-hmm. And the ones who didn't would be the ones who would struggle. So I said, okay, if that's true, then why are we not collaborating? Mm-hmm. What keeps us from collaborating, right? Well, and part of it is we don't have models. We don't have we don't. We're not. We're not emotionally, psychologically, business-wise prepared to go about structuring ourselves in a collaborative way. So that's really what got me started.
0: So uh, while you're telling that story and where it makes sense and so on, all I was thinking—not all I was thinking—but I started to think my networking brain goes on, and, and I'm thinking. So did you call these, all of these people because you knew these people and you had access to them? Or did you have a way of getting to those people that um, is you know, a, a trick of the trade, so to speak? I was yeah. just curious, I can't help well,
1: myself. Well, that's a great question from you because of your background with LinkedIn. LinkedIn was my gift. I, I use LinkedIn to um, begin asking those questions. And you know, a lot of people don't respond, right? Which is right, but the people who really care do respond, and um, so I I really leveraged LinkedIn.
0: That's awesome. I and I didn't ask for that purpose. I was just curious and and uh, wondered whether it was you know you picking up your the phone because you're as we used to say, Rolodex, your Rolodex was full of those people's names or whether you leveraged the people you knew and networked and, and, uh, you know, got to them that way. So. so
1: here's the other thing is, I mean, as I did more of this, what I also realized is how much concern there is amongst people for what is the future. Businesses are really worried. Business owners are really quite concerned right now. And, um, We do need an approach. We need a way to help people. And so it's, I think that was the other thing that I started that gave me maybe confidence as I started calling was when you realize how, how desperate in some ways people were, you go, okay, we're on to something. We need to really think about this.
0: Well, and I don't want to get into this side topic, but with the politics, the way it is right now in the United States. There is very much concern, you know, for uh, fear and whatever. And so I'm sure that that has played into it a lot. But what it also made me think is, okay, going back to what we talked about at the beginning about you teaching, do you find that the, the people you're teaching, I know some of them are grad students probably, but they're still in the younger level of, um, of the population. Do they see things differently? Are they afraid or are they excited about what they can bring? Do they have a different mindset? Generally speaking,
1: right. Most of what I teach is graduate students, um, occasionally some upper level gra- undergrad. Um, I would say that young people are they're responding in different ways than I think many of the tr- uh, people in traditional market are, are responding. And part of it is good. Part of it I, I leaves me with concern. So part of it, young people are saying, you know what? If it doesn't work for me, I'll start my own company. And so we see this incredible growth right now of entrepreneurial businesses, mm-hmm. where people are just saying, you know what? The corporate world is not meeting my need. Um, it feels it feels stifling. Um, I'm tired of the PC culture. I want more life work balance. You know, and the list goes on. There's there's stress, there's overwhelm. And we think of it as at the employee level. It's also happening at the top, at the upper suite level. There's a sense of something is beyond my control. So, but young people are saying, okay, then I'll opt out and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Or there's they'll, they're will they saying, you know, if we're going to try you if you don't work. Company A, I'll just go to company B. And if company B doesn't work, I'll go to company C. And right now there's a labor shortage. And so I can just pick and choose and go to different places. And I think in the short term that will work. And here's my concern is um, at some point, corporations are going to say enough. We need better control. And so they're going to say, okay, where is talent readily available where we don't have to worry about these issues where people actually really want to come and work and they don't raise all these issues which means they will offshore i think Mm -hmm. then we have a new set of problems that we're creating because now you have potentially unemployed people um, who have Mm -hmm. opted to be unemployed in a sense Mm -hmm. and corporations having washed their hands of it then we're going to have, I think, some serious problems to overcome. Hmm. There's always something, right? There's always a consequence. Right. Right? Yeah. We can, we could wish for something, yeah. something, but there's a consequence.
0: Well, I want to just lighten things up a little bit before we, we wind down, because I'm very you've heard me say this already I'm a curious person and I'm very curious about you as being an entrepreneur back in the day
1: with whirla style what's that (laughs) all about I'm so curious so whirla style is a uh, beauty product it's hair accessories yeah for making uh for styling hair so it's, it's a soft goods, it's a, it, it's not a shampoo or any of that. It's like it's a
0: headband a, of sorts, right? Yeah, like right. A holder. Right. Type thing.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was, prior to that company, I had a uh, manufacturing company where we were doing bedding for all the major department stores Wait, in the United like- States. But you were in healthcare
0: and you were um, a doctorate in like, and so this is like, so fascinating to me. It's like the other side of your life. It's
1: so why would I do that? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I was in healthcare, loved it. And, um, and it, it really it is, it is what resonates with me in many ways, but I had a child who had some special needs at that time and needed to manage and absolutely control my time. Mm. And so decided that having my own business would allow me to absolutely control things. And so that's how that switch happened. (laughs) And it just happened that a friend was starting this business and in in textiles, needed some help, and so asked if I would help. And I said, okay, on the side, you know, I can manage that. But, you know, it's like a lot of things. You may start helping, and then pretty soon it becomes yours, right? Well, especially
0: you are an entrepreneur type or if you are a type A or whatever, like you're the leader
1: type. Yes. So that's what we were doing. And um, and one of the things that Marshall Fields sometimes would have me do is to help them um, re-style, redesign products that weren't selling. So I had been there to take a look at some of the products that needed redesign had a bunch to take back to the office I had it was February it was one of those slushy winter days I had walked from the office to this downtown office and had to carry these bags and bedding you know it's not small no. and so somebody handed me this tie and said well maybe you can make something you could put these together and so you can carry it I'm looking at the tie and as I'm working on this, I'm thinking, I have scraps sitting on my floor, I know what I'm going to do with my scraps. And so it was that that started, we ended up not using the scraps, we went to doing mold injection, because it was much more affordable. And so that's what got it started. I I just
0: find it so fascinating, because it's, do you sold the company, right? Or did you? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but it's um, just from one extreme to the other, it seems like a, a completely, probably worlds ago for you. But it served more than one purpose, right? So that's that's where it came in. So I love that. And and it actually started with a collaboration, right? With your friend.
1: It did. It started with a collaboration. And it's interesting how each of those perspectives probably have influenced how I think. Because you see that there's things what makes healthcare work? What makes healthcare not work? And part of it is collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to really impact a region's health or a country's health, there's a collaborative effort that is essential. Um, but the same thing with a small business. You're not going to grow it. We took ours to 18 different countries, 22 different countries. Um, and But you're not going to do that without putting together a collaborative group of people.
0: Mm hmm. That's that's just fascinating to me. So I I thank you for sharing that. Um, So I've said it several times. Well, let me just ask you this, when you're not busy with, or doing your research and, and working, do you, are you a person who reads like real books, novels, or business books, or are you listening to podcasts, or are you watching videos, or are you listening to Audible books? What what's your method these days? Now, you have books, but we—I we read. I read voraciously. Okay, all right. And, do you, do you and else, or do you read a, a nonfiction or
1: fiction? Um, I read right now because of research. I'm reading largely business and research books. But one of the things that I've gotten started on, Janice, which has really stretched me, is. I've been working on some YouTube um, presentations to get concepts across in a more interesting way. You know, it's not the typical, here's a blog here, five bullet points, yeah. it, telling more a story that's interesting. So I've been working with a fellow who is very talented and he, he, he tells me, okay, so now you need to watch this movie because we need to take trailers from this movie and include it in what you're doing. And let's expand how you're presenting things. And when I first started, Janice, I thought, oh, my, this is far, far outside my world. Yes. But actually, it's been, a, it's been a wonderful stretch because it's made my right brain work mm-hmm. in a way that it's not my go-to place.
0: So just give me one little snippet of an example. Like- okay.
1: So when Will Smith, for example, had his Oscars debut recently and had the fiasco with the slap in the face, um, this gentleman said to me, why don't you take that and make a a lesson out of that on on leadership or collaboration? So I did it on leadership. And so I did. And actually it was quite fun. (laughs) So I've, I've done that with some other things. And um, Elon Musk is another great person to use because he has he has a different way of approaching things. And just, you know, his issue that he raises with Twitter, for example, well, what is a town square? Why is it important? Well, that's because of Galton's research. You want diversity. You don't want everybody saying the same thing because if you do, you have groupthink. And we're like the Stemfield wives, you know, all marching yeah. exactly alike. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So, so if you find uh, something that you can use in a different way or to use as an example, I think you're right. I think that it probably disrupts the thinking as well. Um, when people are listening, because it, it's not just listening, it's, um, for some, it's that vis- the visual that will get to them, right? As well. So, yeah, I love it. That's great that you're doing that. I, I admire you and I um, applaud you because it's tough to to switch to do something new and different, especially for me. You know, it's really funny, and I- we're going to wrap up in a second. Um, my little granddaughter turned three on Sunday, and she's very athletic and very busy and very Type A. And she's been riding a little Strider bike for a year now, like so it's no pedals and it's quite low to the ground and she can go like stink now on it because it's she's used to it. And the next step was to have a, a bike a little bit higher because she's taller now, but with pedals, no training wheels, but just go right from the Strider bike to the pedal bike. And so we got one for her for her birthday, and we're, and she tried it a little bit on her birthday, and then yesterday she was here and grandpa said, do you want it? Let's go on your new bike. She said, no, I want to go on the old bike because she's not sure about change yet. She's just not ready. And she'll let us know. I think when she is, we'll, you know, we'll keep encouraging it, but when she's ready, she'll be ready. So it doesn't matter how old you are. It's hard to make that change or to think differently. And so that's why I say, yeah, it's it's wonderful. So one last question for you. Um, No, I'm lying too. Um, First of all, my curious piece. I always like to ask my guests, and I think you would be a great person to ask this to. It's a two part question. Number one, do you think curiosity is innate, or learned? And second part, what are I think I know the answer to this, but what are you most curious
1: about today? Oh, interesting questions. Wow, is curiosity. So you know, when I was working at um, in teaching, I would often Publishing was as part of academia, especially if you're in a large teaching university, you you need to publish. And um, I was doing a fair amount of writing. And so a person came to me one day and said, you know, you really shouldn't um, keep track of all of the writing that you do. And I said, why? And the comment was, well, it embarrasses us because we can't keep up. And, and I thought about that and thought about that. And I thought, The issue is, the reason why I can publish is every day I walk down the street or walk down the hall, I talk to somebody and I go, oh, wow, that's interesting. Why is it that way? That's the only question, right? It's the why. Why is it that way? And so you go, well, let me find out why. And you do research, you talk to people, you write, you do those pieces. So for me, it comes innately. I think it can be taught. -hmm. Um, I think I think people can learn to be curious. I think part of what happens in our education system is we squash it. Mm -hmm. And so people stop using that muscle that they really have. Mm -hmm. Kids, I don't know that there's an uncurious child. I know. You think about it.
0: Yeah. I know, because I'm seeing it again through my granddaughter. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, really. And, but she goes from one thing to the other, to the other. She's a little ADD, I think, but oh my goodness. So curious.
1: Yeah. And and it's a gift.
0: Yes. Yes. And so would you have another answer to that second part or is it about the collaboration piece?
1: So for me, it's, it's really about collaboration, but along with collaboration, what I'm fascinated with is our leadership Um, because there's something that we that has happened with how we're leading in our organizations, how we're teaching people how to manage, how to work with people that is creating the workplaces that we're creating. Same is true within our universities. We're training people to think the way they are behaving when they come to the workplace. But if only thirty four percent are engaged at the work in the workplace and we're better than many other countries, that's worrisome. Yes. So I, I'm, I'm very fascinated by collaboration. How are we doing outside of our organizations? How are we doing it inside of our organizations? Because if we don't solve this, I think we're going to have some bigger problems to deal with. Fascinating.
0: This has been delightful. Absolutely delightful. I've so enjoyed talking to you. And thank you for, for sharing all of your um, wealth of knowledge with us. Uh, your
1: book is coming out, I think, in January. January of 23 yeah. and Janice thank you so much for the opportunity it's been great to be with you you ask fabulous questions so thank you
0: thank you so much and uh to my audience um maybe just let them know where they can find you and I will put it in the show notes
1: sure so the, our company is Build tomorrow with the number two so b-u-i-l-d number two tomorrow m-o-r-r-o-w So you can reach me at Lois at buildtomorrow.com. And our websites are, I have two. One is www.buildtomorrow.com. And the second is www.startwithcollaboration.com. So
0: you have a podcast too. And what is
1: it called? Building My Legacy.
0: Ah, yes. Okay. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being on that as well soon. And we are
1: looking forward to that, Janice. Thank
0: you. I've started to look at some of the people that you've talked to already, and I need to talk to them too. So it's kind of fun. You know, it goes around and around. So thank you so much again. And to my audience, thank you for being here. Please show us that you enjoyed the conversation with Dr. Lois Sons-Degard and Um, leave a review. We appreciate that and appreciate you listening. So again, remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out, to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes and remember to stay connected and be remembered.